Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean, and in this episode, my wife Lynette does an interview with Jory. Jory is from Delaware and grew up on the East Coast. She is now an adult and is an adoptee. She was adopted when she was six months old out of foster care. While she was in college, she experienced an unplanned pregnancy and made the decision to place her oldest daughter for adoption. She is now married and has four children, twin girls and two boys. She has a part-time retail job that she works in the evening and loves to play basketball a few mornings a week. Otherwise, she spends most of her time with her family. When we asked her what some of her favorite things are, she shared that she loves Dr. Pepper, she loves going to therapy, and she loves watching movies. This is such a great episode. Jory has so much to share with us as an adoptee and a birth mother. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. here on the podcast with Jory. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Ah, thank you. So we're going to start off by having you tell us your adoption story. All right. So this, I'm going to probably give the Cliff Notes version because it can get really long. Um, so I am an adult adoptee, but I was, um, I was adopted when I was six months old. Um, but before that, I was actually born at 26 weeks gestation. And um, because my birth mother was really sick um, when she was pregnant with me, she went into labor early and I was one pound, three ounces. So I was really, really little um, and taken right away into the NICU. And I have one picture, um, one newborn picture of me where the nurse is holding me in her hands. And I am just so little. I look, I feel like I look so sickly looking and just, I'm, I'm so little in this woman's hands. Um, so that's a pretty special picture that I have. Um, so I was in the NICU for a few months. Um, miraculously, I wasn't on the ventilator for very long. And then I was placed into a group foster home for a little while. And then, um, I was adopted by my family at six months old. And I am the youngest of four children. My parents had my older brother, sister, brother, back to back to back. And then my mom got her tubes tied. And then 10 years later, they decided that they wanted another baby. And they realized how expensive it might be to um, get them reversed. So they chose adoption. And um, because my mom is half white and my dad is half black, I actually fit into my family very, very well. No one growing up, unless we told them and they knew me that I was adopted. The only difference is I am a foot shorter than the rest of my family. Everyone else is like six foot tall. It's ridiculous. So when we took family pictures, we normally had to sit down because I was so short. Um, and then when I was little growing up, I loved sports. Um, and because my mom was nervous how little I was, I wasn't allowed to start sports until I was a little bit older because she was afraid I would get hurt. Um, 
and so fast forward, I, and you know, I was born in the eighties. Um, I'm, I'm 34. So the eighties, there was no such thing as open adoption. And so I grew up in a closed adoption. Everything that my parents knew about my biological family, they told me, but I always knew I was adopted and it was always just a part of my story. And, um, I was just always told that my birth mom was young and she just was getting ready to go to nursing school right out of high school and just was unable to parent and um, that her and my grandmother, um, that they chose adoption and she wasn't married to my birth father. Um, so they chose the adoption route. And um, for a long time, I, I, um, I never had any issues with adoption. I had a great childhood. Um, you know, there's lots of pictures, um, because I don't have a great memory. There's lots of pictures of me growing up and, um, being with my family. And, um, so I had a really positive adoption story and it wasn't until, you know, getting into my tween teen years that I feel like the questions, um, that most adoptees have kind of came about, you know, well, why did she give me up? Why didn't she want me? And, um, you know, having feelings of um, being out of place and um, having a close adoption, I had no one to really talk to about those things. Um, and then I graduated high school and I went to college nearby my hometown. And I was playing soccer for a division one school and um, just living the college life. And I ended up um, having an unplanned pregnancy and it absolutely rocked my world. I just, I, to me, I couldn't believe I allowed that to happen. It was such a um, faith building time for me and a soul searching time for me because I, um, me and her birth father, you know, we did not plan on getting married or anything like that. And, um, interesting enough, you know, her, um, her adoptive family was across the country and they decided that they wanted to add to their family just around the same time that I found out I was pregnant and, um, they were family friends of mine, her um, adoptive parents. Um, her dad was from my home state and he used to change my diaper as a baby. And um, our parents were just the best of friends. And it couldn't seem like the more ideal um, situation for both of us. And I knew I wanted an open adoption, but the choice um, it didn't come to me so easily. You know, I, I had such a great adoption experience, but um, I wasn't sure how this baby would feel about it growing up. Um, but I knew I wanted an open adoption and they were totally on board with that her family was. And I was very grateful for that. Um, and so then fast forward, they got to be there in the delivery room with me when I, um, when I had her and I had them um, cut her cord. And it was just a very special time because I don't think before that I really understood or realized because that wasn't my world 
but just how many people who want to start a family are unable to do that very easily. And um, with them being across the country, we wrote emails back and forth. I gained a very special relationship with her mom during that time. And it was just a very special time in the hospital with them. And um, I was grateful to have that experience and to be able to share that with them because that's something that they have never been able to experience. And then I was able to spend that time in the hospital with her, just her and I. I feel like I tried to reiterate to her, you know, whether she understood me or not, just how much she was loved and cared for and wanted. I kept a journal the whole time that I was pregnant with her and I gave it to her parents to um, give to her when she is older. You know, they brought her home across the country and I stayed there in Delaware. It was pretty hard for me. I, I didn't think because I felt like I was doing something that was felt so right to me. I didn't understand why I felt so broken and so lonely. And um, so I did what I thought was best again. And I pushed through it. I went back to college and was taking classes and was busying myself and trying to keep myself busy. And about six months later, after I placed her, I had this real urge um, to find my biological family. And, you know, it was something I always wanted to do. And it was something my parents always supported me about. And so I just took out my baby book that I had. And this time though, on my adoption papers, there was a name that I had never seen before. And so <laughs> I Googled it. We had Google. So I Googled it and did a white pages search and like seven different names popped up on the search. And, and, and I knew I was from Delaware. And so I, I don't know what came over me. I, I don't know what I was really thinking at the time. And I picked up the phone and I just started dialing. The first number I dialed, this um, older man picked up the phone and I was like, crap, now what? <laughs> I had no idea what I was going to say. I had no idea what I was doing, but I said, um, well, you know, could you be related to this person? And he was like, yeah, you know, that's my daughter, you know, that that's her bio, that's her um, maiden name. And I was like, okay, you know, that's a coincidence. And um, I, he said, you know, what can I do for you? And I was like, oh, heck. Um, well, <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, I think she could be my birth mother. And he was like, well, um, he was like, she did place a baby for adoption a number of years ago. And I'm thinking, no way, you know, and he was like, my wife's not home right now, but she would have all the information. And, you know, can you leave me your name and your phone number and your birthday? And I was like, yeah, no, you know, no problem. And he said, um, and I'll never forget this. He said, you know what this means? And I said, no. Um, he said, that means you're talking to your grandfather. And um, mind you, no one was home at my house. I was by myself. And so I hung up the phone with him and it seemed like the longest couple of hours. Um, Ever. And she called me back and it was my grandmother. And the first thing she said was, 
how did you find us? I knew that you always would. And um, she said, I just got off the phone with your mom. When can we meet? And I was just like, Lord, because as an adoptee, I knew that um, I knew that this story could go either way. I knew that I was taking a chance and she could have very well moved on. And, you know, I was a part of her former life and she, her healing might look like that I wouldn't be a part of that. And that other side of the coin could be that she would want to meet me and our lives would be forever changed because we would be reunited. And I don't think I was necessarily prepared for either of those things. It just took me by surprise. We talked a little bit longer and I found out they lived about 45 minutes north from me. They remember seeing my name and my picture in the newspaper growing up in high school, um, playing sports. Ironically enough, my adoptive parents and my biological parents all have the same occupation. And I, when I tell this part all the time, I'm like, I couldn't even make this up if I wanted to. When I was in high school, I played basketball for my dad's, um, for girls varsity basketball. And when we would play the Northern, um, when we would play the Northern private school teams, my biological dad was a girls basketball coach. And so I played against his team and didn't even know who he was. And then my, my adoptive mom, um, my mom was a labor and delivery nurse. And then my biological mom went to school to be a nurse as well. So we also had that really neat um, connection with all four of us. Um, my biological dad and biological mother chose not to get married to each other, but they stayed in contact. And she had let him know that I had um, found her and I have talked to him for a few, uh, you know, I've talked to him a couple times. He doesn't wish to have a relationship, but I still very, I still feel very fortunate that I, that I know who he is. But that very next weekend, I drove up and hugged my birth mom for the first time in, um, in 20 years. And it happened to be the weekend of birth mother's day and mother's day. And so I felt like that was also a tender mercy for us. And I was able to take up my photo album that my parents had made me since I was a baby and to share with them my life and through pictures. And then a couple of weeks later, they were able to come down, meet my family and just to have both of those pieces um, of my life come together like that was really, really special. I think that's something that I will always treasure because it's not something that everyone always gets. And we might not um, get together a lot. You know, I, I go home and visit my family usually every summer with my kids, but now she's been able to be there and hold my babies as babies. And, you know, they call her Nana and I have a half brother and sister. So I'm the oldest and just that missing piece that puzzle piece that I've had since I was so little, be able to fit that in right where it belonged was um, really special to me. And then to be able to have 
my birth daughter and have an open adoption with her and to watch her grow up and be this incredible, amazing person. Um, now that next month she'll be a teenager and it's kind of so surreal to be able to be in their home with them and, you know, listen to the things that she likes and doesn't like and their favorite foods. It's, it's special because it's something I never had. And I know that, you know, whenever she has questions about me or her story, that it's, that she is able to ask me. I just think my story is very unique where I have those two different perspectives with closed adoption and open adoption and as an adoptee and also that other side of the triangle as a birth mom. Wow. Yeah, that is an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing. So yeah, I'm not sure if that was a nutshell or not, but that was great. It's perfect. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you saw, I was just like crying over here. It was I know, I amazing. I was like trying to keep it together. Yeah, it was beautiful. Wow. Okay. So, no, that's amazing. That's an amazing story. So when did you first realize that you were adopted as a kid? Like I said, I, I always knew it was a part of my story. My parents made sure that I, that was something I always knew. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that, even though I, I look like my siblings and um, I fit in very well um, physically with my family. Um, they made sure that was something I always knew. So ever since I can remember, really. Awesome. And do you think that looking similar to your adoptive family, being the same race, affected your experience and your feelings toward adoption as you were growing up? Personally, I probably had an easier time because I did look like them. Um, like I said, no one really ever questioned um, that I was adopted unless we told them, you know, growing up in school, you know, you know, you would first couple days of school, you'd tell something about yourself that people didn't know, or that was unique to you. And I always said that I was adopted. And um, so that was my, that was always my special piece. But um, my feelings about adoption, because of my family and because of my surroundings, was always positive. So what advice would you give to other adoptees who are searching for their birth families? I think my story is unique because I, um, I really feel for me, mine was the timing and, you know, divine intervention when I found them, but there was other times in my life where I wanted to look and it just wasn't the right time. But I feel like to those searching, you know, try to stay open, try to stay open-minded because, um, like I said, that story can go either way. Um, as a birth mom, I can only speak for myself, but knowing other birth moms, people heal in many, many different ways. And sometimes that means not wanting contact, but that never, ever means that you are forgotten or you are not loved in um, any aspect, whether or not they want to rekindle a relationship with you or not. Um, so I would just suggest, you know, staying open, researching. I know it's hard sometimes to open those, those birth certificates, um, having those available to adoptees. Um, that's still a struggle for many, um, having those birth certificates open through the state, being allowed to have that. I personally feel that that's something that everyone should be able to have is their original birth certificate with those 
names on them. So just being able to keep an open mind, keep an open heart on what possibly could be because you're, you're, you're having other people's lives into your, into your story. So I think that would just be, that would be my advice. That's awesome. Thank you. I thought it was really interesting. So while you were telling your story, um, when you just started calling all the phone numbers after your Google search, that was something that was out of character for you, I take it, like not something you would normally do. Not at all. So interesting. I not love how all. it turned out. But yeah, that and, was And it was amazing. actually the very first number that I called, I ended up calling my grandparents' house. And my grandma said, well, if you had called the second number on that list, she's like, I think it's my cousin, but I don't think she would have had all that information. So it would have been a dead end. Yeah. And come to find out my, my grandfather doesn't normally pick up phone numbers that he doesn't know. And, um, he just, he picked up mine that day. Oh my goodness. I love that. So it was out of character for you. It was out of character for him. It all just worked out perfectly that day. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. So what were your initial thoughts and feelings when you were pregnant and thinking about adoption for your baby? It was overwhelmed. I was so scared. I, you know, I grew up in a very strong moral values household and you don't have sex before you get married. You don't, um, you know, with very strong moral values. I felt like I truly disappointed my parents and my family and uh, my heavenly parents by allowing, I say that, allowing that to happen, that I wasn't, you know, being responsible and um, I was I was just very scared. Um, were my very initial thoughts, you know, holding that pregnancy test at my sister-in-law's house, and it was digital, and just remembering and feeling like this can't be real, and um, you know, remembering going and telling her birth father, and just remember, and then telling my parents, it was just. I was very scared and come to find out I had no reason to be scared. My parents, although now being a parent, you know, we can be disappointed with our children, you know, in the, in the choices that they make and, and their consequences, you know, we can't choose that, but they love me unconditionally. And that was a very big standout point for me. Um, the love I received from my family and my church family and my friends, that was, that was a very pivotal moment um, for me. You know, I might've walked around um, my college campus feeling like I had a scarlet letter on my shirt and being pregnant and not married, but being at home and being um, at church, I didn't feel shamed or ostracized. And I know that's not the same story for everyone. And it makes me very sad that that is the case for many um, other friends and birth mothers that they were treated that way and that they felt that way and that they were very alone in their situation. Of course, there were times I felt that way. Then when we were talking as a family that, you know, I might not be the best choice as a, you know, doing it as a single mom, you know, we, I would have been able to, because I would have had my family support, but there was things that I couldn't do at that time that I, that I wanted for her. I'm very grateful that I didn't have to look through hundreds of profiles. I didn't have to 
um, pick a family that felt like it could have been the perfect family for her and I, um, that again, that divine intervention for us was that I got a phone call from her, from her parents saying that they had just prayed about adding another child to their family through adoption and they would be honored to raise my baby as their own and that we would always be connected as family. And for me, there was, there was no other family that to me, that was, um, it was, it was like a no brainer, um, for me. It's beautiful. So what advice would you give to family and friends of other women who are expecting and considering adoption to help them feel that love and support that you felt often while you were pregnant? To look at all of your options um, to, again, as an expect mom to try to stay open. I know that there are many emotions, many hormones running through your body at that time and things can look very cloudy, but um, now that I have been on this journey for almost 13 years as a birth mom, talk to other women that have placed, get a real story of what that looks like. Don't just go to an agency and talk to the professionals um, because unfortunately they don't always have your best interest at heart, but to get real life stories from other women talk to adoptees um, to kind of get what it could look like and then to weigh out all of your options um, and to be educated on all sides of it. Um, I, I think that is the best, um, the best choice that you could do and then make that well-educated choice for yourself. Beautiful. Did you use an agency for your placement or did you do a private adoption? So a little bit of both. I, we use a little bit of both. Um, they did have family services, but because out East, um, it's not as readily available. And um, the closest one was a couple hours away. We actually had a caseworker though that worked for family services who kind of helped me with that process. But her family being from Utah, um, they chose on their end to do a private adoption to use the same attorney that they had used um, with their previous adoptions. Okay. So I um, didn't necessarily ever use an agency. So I can't even say like one way or another, which, which would be like more beneficial or helpful. Awesome. Thank you. Sometimes Sean and I will talk about agencies on here and we're like, man, we kind of give agency is a hard time, but yeah, we definitely, I, I feel like, unfortunately, I feel like they deserve, they, a hard they time. do not necessarily in a, not necessarily in a bad way, but make sure they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And if you promise something to an expected mom, deliver it. Yeah. Um, I didn't even, I didn't even look into, and that's something that we can talk about, but I didn't even look into counseling after I placed like, I thought I was doing the right thing. Why would I need counseling for something like that? And now that I go to trauma therapy, how huge that would have been for me after placement, how many other um, decisions would have changed. I mean, and the statistics with not getting that 
post-placement care afterwards, what a difference that makes in their life, whether it's getting pregnant again shortly after, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's depression, whether it's um, committing suicide. So it's just, it's all so important that no one really had an idea about yet. When you talk to other birth moms, they're like, wow, that would have been really helpful. And that's why I'm so grateful for my friend, Ashley, who's a birth mom that has created um, curriculums for agencies to be able to provide those post-placement care and support groups for birth mothers after they place because it's needed. And we know that. Yes. <laughs> so it's just, it's crazy to me that, you know, some agencies provide um, classes and support groups for the adoptive parents, but what, what about the birth mom, yeah. you know, and what about the adoptee? Yeah, so. that's a big deal. Do you have any advice for the adoption community for how we can bring about those changes and make things better? Because working so closely um, with my friend who does have that foundation, I just, I feel like there couldn't be anything more important than care for everyone involved. Um, Adoption is not a cure for um, infertility. It's not, it's not a cure-all for being childless. It's, it's, it's so many things wrapped up into this package. And I, unfortunately, you know, I, I didn't know this then, but, you know, being almost 13 years in, my you know, you know better than you do better. And so my language, my, my thought process, everything has kind of shifted to, yes, I had a great adoption experience. And, you know, so far my daughter's is really great, but everyone doesn't have that. And what is key is that education, is that support system, is therapy, because adoption is trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think back, especially when I was adopted, that wasn't a term they used, but it still existed, but no one knew. I was placed with my family when I was six months old, but when I was, a, was placed with them, I wasn't smiling. I, I, had this, I was going through a transition and I actually got sick at one point and I was in the hospital and my mom never left my side. And she tried to tell the doctor and the agencies that they had went through that like, there's something going on. Like my daughter's not smiling. She's, you know, th there's a transition going on and they didn't want to believe it. They didn't, they didn't know what it was. And so she did what she thought was best and just bonded with me. And I, I think for me, you know, that made all the difference, but I think also if, and she said it too, um, talking about it, if she had known or seen anything when I was younger, that I had, that I had more questions that I, that I wasn't happy that, you know, that she would have gotten me counseling when I was younger, which I think is pivotal because that gives adoptees someone to talk to, because a lot of times as adoptees, we feel like we have to have this gratitude that we have to just be thankful for the thing for our families and the things that we have, not to say that we don't, of course we are, but we also have 
these attachment wounds that no one can really speak to. And I didn't start seeing a trauma therapist until I was 33 years old. And it has been the best adult decision I've ever made for myself and to work through those attachment issues and to work for work through those early traumas I had early on that I had no idea that I had and what a, not tooting my own horn, but what a, the growth and the change and the, um, the things that have come about in the past year because of me um, working through those things that I've made that I had wish I could have had so many years ago, you know, cause again, you don't know what you don't know, but now I do. And, you know, I've talked a couple of times to my daughter's mom about, you know, her possibly going and she can see the benefits in it. And I just, I just wish so many other people, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's okay for them to talk about feelings um, that they have and they're healthy. So I just, I really, as an adoption community, I can't stress enough learning how important mental health is on all sides of the triad and how much better we could be as a community if we allowed those voices to be heard. Because a lot of times during, you know, November National Adoption Month, during Mother's Day Month, that adoptee and birth mother voices kind of get drowned out when those are the voices that really mean so much. Absolutely. I 100% agree. That was very well said. Thank you. Um, so this one's kind of going back to where we were a few minutes ago, but how do you think that your thoughts and feelings about adoption as you were looking at placing your baby for adoption, how do you think those were affected by your experiences as an adoptee? Um, at the time, I don't think I even really realized the choice I was making at 20 years old. Mind you, our brains aren't even formed as an adult brain but until like 25. We're making these grown-up adult decisions and our brains aren't even formed yet. Now looking back and knowing what I know, I know my decision to place was largely impacted by my own adoption story and um, the positive story that I had growing up with that. But it was also very largely impacted by my religion um, and what what we believe about families and what we believe about parents and having two parents. I know some really great, awesome single moms out there. And, you know, like I said, I could have done it. I could have done it with my family's help. You know, not saying that she's better off or she's in a better place. It's just different. She has a different life than what I could have gave her. But I, I feel like now knowing all those things, my experiences as an adoptee did shape me placing her for adoption. Um, not necessarily a no brainer, but I just, I didn't realize just how hard it would actually be until I did it. And then realizing, gosh, you know, why, why do I get these feelings so much around her birthday, yet we have an open adoption? Why um, do I get so emotional after a visit with her? And it's because she's still a part of me, yeah. you know, and that there's nothing that's ever going to 
change that or replace that. And um, just things, you know, I, I didn't know as an adoptee, things that I was feeling. And when I found my birth mom, I truly feel that I needed to go through that situation before I found her. And no matter those feelings I had as a teenager of why she didn't want me and why she gave me up, she never gave me up. I never gave up my birth daughter. I placed her for adoption. I never didn't want her. I was never unwanted. And I think for me, those things were really important to know for myself before I found my birth mom. So I could have, we have another connection. We're not just a mother and daughter who are both birth moms. And I was able to write an article a number of years ago where I was able to ask all three moms in my life, my birth mom, my adoptive mom, and my daughter's adoptive mom, actually some really hard questions. And I'm so grateful that they each took the time to address it and to share those feelings with me. And I can relate to them so much because I have that connection with uh, my own birth mother and that we kind of share the same feelings. So I thought that was um, really special. It's amazing. Um, is that article still out there? I haven't looked in a long time. I actually, for a whole year, I wrote articles once a month for um, adoption.com. I, after a year, I got really burnt out though, yeah. because I just, I was, I was talking and writing and researching adoption All so much. Yeah. I was like, I have to take it. <laughs> I have to take a step back. Like it was, it was so much for me, but I, I had learned and gained so much from um, those things that I wrote. I think even looking back at them now, I might cringe at some of the things I said, but I also have learned so much since those things that I have that I have written yeah. but it might be I'll, I'll have to see if those are still out there cool. yeah if we can find it and if you're cool with it maybe we'll put a link to it yeah. awesome yeah that, that sounds like an amazing article with all of those perspectives it was I'm I was so grateful that they opened up and shared those things with me mind you again so I never got counseling as an adoptee and my birth mom I'm I'm 34 years old you know never really seeked or knew that was something that she could be provided for um, when she was younger and, you know, the ways that she had to deal with that grief and that trauma. Um, her husband that she married is a really fantastic man. And she said, he said, you know, I, I seen her every year on my birthday, you know, be a little sad and there was nothing she, he could do. And when I, back in 2020, when I went to visit my family, I invited her to my parents' house to come and share my birthday dinner with me and all of us there. And I, I've saved her text message because it, it meant so much to me. And she said, you know, I've, I've spent so many years in sadness around your birthday. She said, you know, never again, of course, we'll be there. And so, of course, I had to save that. And it just, it, it reiterated to me again, that the adoption community is so much stronger. The bond between a mother and a child mm -hmm. is so strong that even physical separation doesn't, um, doesn't stop that love. Yeah, that's beautiful.
You talked a little bit about what placement was like for you. What advice would you give to expectant parents as they make their plans for relinquishment? Um, if they have, you know, already made that choice that adoption is the best route for them, I would hope that they would have all the love and all the support in their life that they need, you know, mentally ready. They might think they're mentally ready to make that choice. But again, I don't think anyone is, and especially those who have done it more than once to, you know, if they don't have that love and the support in their life to seek it out, whether it's friends and other birth mothers, because we as a community have such open arms for those. And we remember what placing is like, and we can automatically go back to that time and remember how hard those um, times were. And so seek therapy as soon as you can. Seek support, support groups, look around in your local area or local birth mom support groups um, because they can be really healing and you don't know you need them until you found them. I, I, like I said, I didn't know that was a thing until I found my group. And I have made some really lifelong friends because of being a part of a club no one wanted to be a part of, to sit with a group of women who've been where you've been and to be able to share their ups and downs because our placement doesn't just affect us. It affects our children. It affects my spouse. It affects the friendships that I have and it embodies every part of me and also as an adoptee. So it's just, it's very important, I think, to try to reach out early on and trying to get that support. So how do you think your experiences as an adoptee with placing your baby have shaped your perceptions of parenthood as you raise your younger children? Adoption as an adoptee, as a birth parent, it is a part of my whole life. I can't remove a part of that as I'm parenting my other children. So I felt like when I got married and I got pregnant with twins very quickly early on into my marriage that, you know, even though I wanted desperately to be a mom again and I would have two daughters, it was all so new to me. And it was first time for me that I wanted to soak it all in. I didn't want to miss anything. And I felt many mixed emotions um, with it, actually, which is really normal because, you know, I didn't have those first with my birth daughter that I had with my twins. And then I'd feel guilt about having other children when I placed her. It's just, it's so many emotions wrapped up into one into parenting as a birth mom. I think just remembering, you know, it is going to be different and that's okay. Um, those feelings are normal and then, and that's okay. Feeling out those feelings and working through them, that's important and not, you know, shoving them down, not, but, but working through them is important, but being present with my children and just knowing that every single child is an absolute blessing and a gift, no matter how they come to you and raising them is, you know, a delight, even being in the midst of motherhood and that it's, you know, the hardest thing I've ever, one of the hardest things I've ever done parenting that I'm so grateful. It's something that I was able to experience. Uh, if you could share one thing with every other adoptee, what would it be? 
just one. <laughs> you can make it two or three. It's okay. uh, I'm like, just one. Um, I can't speak, you know, for every adoptee except, you know, my own story. But I truly believe that as an adoptee to, um, you know, no matter our circumstance, our, our life situation, our family situation, that, that you're loved, that you are seen, that you are cared for by, by someone, whether you know that woman, whether that woman is in your life or not. And to know that they are thinking about you, that you are not forgotten, that you are always, you're always loved. The second thing I think would be to make your mental health a priority. There's so many things that being an adoptee, there, there's, there's no instruction manual. There's, there's no, you know, there's no book. And so um, there's no right way to grow up as an adoptee and those feelings that you have growing up as a child, as a teenager, as an adult are real and it's emotional and it's hard and it can be traumatic, but to be able to put your mental health first and to be able to talk with a neutral party about the things you're feeling and that they're completely and 100% normal um, is very, very, very important. I really feel like, and maybe this is just me, but it feels like the adoption community is talking a lot more about the harm that can come from pushing that narrative of adoptees need to be grateful, right? Like be grateful for your placement and that you were adopted. Um, do you have any thoughts on how we can continue to move away from that narrative and help adoptees feel empowered to feel whatever they feel and share what they feel? As an adoption community, yes, you know, we are grateful for our families. I, I feel like that's that that's a given. And on the other side of that, we also are allowed to feel grief and sadness and to work through those emotions while being grateful. I think for me, I it only, you know, a realization while working through therapy, it's okay to have both of those feelings. And as a teenager or a eight, nine, 10, 11 year old, being able to talk to someone about those feelings at that age is really important and they can really help out a lot. And so shifting that narrative to include um, that adoptee voice to really hear what they're feeling and not take it personally, I think is a very big deal. And so in order to continue to move that forward, I think mental health should continue to be a main point in the conversation in everyday conversation and to be okay with that, that to make it okay. And I love that in general, as a society, we are continually seeing the stigma of mental health disappear and that it's okay. I am I will shout from the rooftops how much I love and am thankful for therapy. I just, I hope that I can see a day where it's available to everyone affordably because it is so important. So if you could share one or a few things with every other birth mother, what would that be? As a birth mother community that we need each other. You know, you can't convince me that we don't that, you know, people find common ground with different 
experiences as they've gone through when they find someone who has been in the same situation and what commonalities that we have and that we share is bigger than the little bit of differences that we might have. So I really encourage birth moms to find their community. Support groups are popping up all over the country and it's really incredible to see they continue to be so needed. Um, Again, my friend's lifetime healing foundation is just so incredible because she wants to have a support group for every birth mom within a 30 mile radius of where they live throughout the whole country. We have seen what it's like not having that support and what it's like kind of doing it alone. And we don't want that for any other birth mom. And to also to be able to get that mental health help where they can. But I have learned um, getting that mental health help, you have to be ready. And, you know, maybe at 21, I wasn't ready to know what I know now. And I wasn't ready to do the growing and the changing like I have now. So just to also feel your feelings. It's okay. Griefing, the grief process is real. There's no timetable. At times I think I'm okay. And then other times it'll hit me out of nowhere. And that's actually completely normal. So I think that's, that's what I would say. So what have you struggled with? Maybe like beyond mental health or like building on that or whatever you want to do. But what have you struggled with regarding adoption and what do you wish others knew and understood? So I know you've talked about this in terms of mental health. Anything else you want to add? I just feel like adoption has been portrayed very positively, um, especially through Hollywood. Um, and it's given it such a, you know, a rose color glasses and, you know, rainbows. And that that's why um, people look towards adoption to build their family when unfortunately they don't really know what's coming for them and they have not been prepared for it. I have really fallen in love with the show This Is Us. I have seen so much of myself in Randall and his birth mother story and I have seen so much of myself and the other characters that it has truly been such great thought and conversation openers for the adoption community that yes this is absolutely what we needed because it wasn't just the positive or just the negative adoption it was so intertwined and there's so many facets to adoption that I don't think people really understand unless they're a part of that community. I think adoption has really started to evolve, which I think is absolutely amazing because, you know, not just um, the positive is coming out. I really think that is, um, that's for the better. Um, For those that don't know anything about adoption and they're looking into it, uh, just education, education, education. You know, you might have a home study and you're ready. Like I get so many, um, and, and I don't mind it, but I get so many um, following requests from hopeful adoptive parents and um, messages just even from friends that have adopted and they, they have a situation and they just ask my opinion. I'm grateful I could be 
one of those voices for them. But education is huge. I, I don't think we can go into adoption blindly. You will really get hurt, I feel like. So yeah, the main thing I would say is education on all types, on grief, on on trauma, on adoptee trauma, on adoptee statistic suicide, on adoptive parent grief, um, just just grief in general, you know? So just so many factors. All right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? I feel that I have grown so much um, through my adoption story. And I love what adoption has done in my life. The growing pains, um, the growth, the mental growth, the people that it's brought into my life because of adoption, my birth mother friends, it has been a challenge and a blessing in my life. And I am grateful for it because I have seen so many amazing things because of adoption. I'm just grateful for podcasts and for education and people willing to listen and to educate um, like you guys to communities and to people about adoption. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you taking time to share your story and to share your wisdom, all of your thoughts. I loved it. I loved all the thoughts about education and about trauma and therapy and love and... What a beautiful, beautiful thought. Thank you. That was so good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. And thanks again to Jory for sharing her great story with us. I really love talking with her. It was such a great opportunity to learn from her and hear her perspectives as both a birth mom and an adoptee, and we hope you loved hearing from her too. As previously mentioned, we're wrapping up the season. We plan to have one more episode in this season that should air a week from the time of this episode. So in our next episode, we'll be finishing up sharing our own personal adoption story, and then we'll be on a break for just a few weeks. We will let you know exactly how long next week, but Sean will be donating bone marrow, and so he is going to be needing a little bit of a break from the podcast for just probably about a month. Yep, so that's the plan at this point. We have a ton of interviews already lined up for season two that will be really good to hear. We're really excited. It's going to be more interview focused than this season has been and we can't wait to keep learning from more people. Thanks again for listening to the Open Adoption Project.